Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about stories, specifically the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. All of us have some dialogue running in the background about what things mean, what we're going through, what's happening to us, and most importantly, who we are. And my guest today, Todd Sylvester, teaches that that story, that belief system can hurt us or it can help us. And of course, we're going to talk today about how we can change that story to help us, to help us out of addictions, to help us out of trauma, to help us out of all kinds of other challenges that, that happen to us that are either self-imposed or put on us by other people. Todd Sylvester is the founder of Todd Sylvester Inspires, where he mentors and coaches people from all over the world. And Todd's story is actually pretty incredible, his own personal journey. In fact, this personal journey, this story was told and the famous author, Simon Sinek, he, he wrote a book called Find Your Why, and Todd's story is featured in that book. And Todd has also been featured in a very popular YouTube video that has like over 5 million views, which tells his story. And I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show in the show notes. But Todd has done so much work for the past 30 plus years, helping people conquer addiction, crush compulsive behaviors, change their limiting belief systems. And he's just such a great person, such a great cheerleader. And just so inspiring. I just loved talking with him in this interview. You're going to just love hearing from him. He's been married for almost 30 years to his wife. They have four kids, a granddaughter, and live a pretty happy life together. And you can tell. It's just great being with him. So listen to this whole episode, guys, and go check out his other resources. I think you're going to love what you hear today. And so let's dive right into my interview with Todd Sylvester. Well, Todd, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. So I saw you speak just, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, and the entire meeting was filled up with your entire story, which you know went over almost an hour long. And so I know we don't have time on this podcast to tell the whole story. I mean, we could right. definitely do an extended director's cut to get all the details <laughs> in. <laughs> right, yeah. Because sure. it's such a great arc. It's such a great story. And I think everyone needs to hear it. But I'd love just for my viewers to meet you a little bit and understand just some context of where you're coming from, and, and certainly about the things we're going to talk about today. So could you give us the Reader's Digest version of your story? Yeah, no, thank you again for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, so, you know, my story is pretty common, unfortunately, with a lot of people where I got caught up in, with drugs and alcohol when I was a young kid. You know, I was passionate about playing basketball. I had dreams of playing in college and, you know, one day being in the NBA and 
you know, you have these big dreams as kids, you know, as kids, we, we had it figured out, man. We <laughs> believed everything. We loved everyone. We loved ourselves. And then, you know, for some reason, we all tend to lose that yeah. some worse than others. And I went down this really dark path because of drugs and alcohol that I got involved with. And long story short, I got, I earned a college scholarship, which was like the highlight of my life at that moment. And when that happened, I just thought, man, I, I've got everything I ever needed in life. And then unfortunately, I ended up losing it because of my drug addiction and, and my drinking. And, and when that happened, I became suicidal and, you know, didn't want to live anymore. And I was just in a really dark place and really hopeless at the time. And, and so I had planned my suicide and I was going to take my life. And you know, many of your listeners probably can relate on some level where, you know, when you feel hopeless, you know, sometimes you think, you know, there's no other way out than just I'd rather not be here. But, and so that's kind of what happened. And I, I was in this place where I needed help and I had this, you know, miraculous thing happen to me where I overheard these two little, two, these two girls speaking about fasting and prayer and, you know, whether you believe in God or a higher power at the time, I didn't believe in either. And I overheard these girls talking about fasting and prayer. And for some reason, it really stood out to me like, I got to figure out what that is. And I ended up asking these two girls what it was. And, and I thought it was kind of strange, but I was so hopeless at the time. I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try because these girls said, basically said, if you want help from God, and at the time, like I said, I didn't believe in God. I, I wasn't raised religious at all, but I was so desperate that I thought I'm going to give this a try. And so I did. I, I fasted and prayed and I asked this so-called God that I didn't really believe in at the time if for some help. And I don't know, I get choked up when I think about it. I, I reached out and asked for help. And uh, at the time, immediately nothing happened, but... Needless to say, I got an answer about a month later that was undeniable that God answered this fast and prayer. And it turned, you know, started the, it started the road down to a recovery for me. Started meeting with a, a bishop and this guy became my rehab for the next year and a half. And he taught me some of the most powerful lessons and still struggling at the time. And I don't know if you want me to get into the lemonade stand portion of this, but uh, oh, you, you got to tell the lemonade story. I mean, that that was a game changer right there. Yeah, please. Yeah, that was amazing. So I'm, meet, so I'm meeting with this bishop. He's teaching me the power of honesty because I'm I'm just being honest with this guy. And that's what he expected of me. And, you know, it's something I teach my clients to this very day. If you're honest with yourself and others, you'll never relapse. And it is truly something we hear, you know, all honesty is important. But man, I just that principle in life is to me, especially with those with addiction is key to staying clean. And so I started meeting with this guy. I'm a bartender at the time, which is not a good idea. You're trying to stop drinking. True. true. <laughs> I meet with this guy every week and it takes me, it was probably about a little past the eight month mark where I finally made it two or three days clean throughout that week. And it was really difficult, really hard. And I was struggling. I had this voice inside my head that we all have that was telling me I was no good. I can't do it. You know, I'll never make it. And about this eight month mark, I had this experience that just really kind of capstoned everything in my life at that point. And, you know, as a bartender, you'd get, I'd get tips from the waiters and waitresses. And then also 
anyone that would sit at the bar, I'd get tips from them and I'd get a lot of change and, and um, I'd get quarters, nickels and dimes. And I just put all the change into the cup holders of my car. I'd use it for gas money. Sometimes I'd buy drugs with it. <laughs> and I had about $40 with a change at this particular time, about this eight month mark and still struggling, still having a hard time. And it was a beautiful Saturday and I was driving out of my neighborhood and I drive past this little girl selling lemonade. You know, I thought no big deal. I just kept driving. And then I had this impression come over me that said, turn around and give her all the money in your car. And I thought, wow, I mean, I've got a lot of change in here. This would be pretty cool. So I turn my car around and I pull up, roll my window down. There's this cute little fourth grade girl sitting there. And I said, how much? She said, 25 cents. And I said, I'll take one. And so she pours me a, a cup of lemonade. I set it on the dashboard when she hands it to me. And then I tell her to cup her hands together in front of her. And I just start scooping all this change in her, in her hand. And this girl starts freaking out. Like <laughs> I mean, her, her expressions like tattooed on my brain. Like it was the most amazing thing to see her reaction. And I just go, man, I've got more. And she's like, no way. Boy. She's freaking out. And, and Finally, you know, I scoop this last scoop into her hands and then she throws it onto the table and takes off into her house. And I'm thinking she's going to go tell her parents some dude just gave her a million dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> as I pull away and get my heart's just swelling, I start to cry like I've never cried before in my entire life. I call it a soul cleansing cry. It was one of those I had to actually put my car in park. I put my face in my hands and I just sobbed. For like the next 20 minutes, I just cry like I've never cried before in my life. And, it, you know, because in that moment, I, I liked who I was. It was one of the most powerful highs I've ever experienced than any other high that I've ever had, you know, via drugs or alcohol. I loved who I was. I wanted to be clean in, in that moment. And it lit my soul on fire. You know, I actually have it on the background of my office here. Uh, this beautiful quote by Ferdinand Foss, he says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Mm. And this just lit my soul on fire. And I thought, you know what? If this girl's there next Saturday, I'm going to give her all my money. And so the next Saturday comes and on purpose, I drive up. And sure enough, she's selling lemonade again. And she recognizes me. She starts freaking out again. And I give her like $25 and quarters. And then I give her $15 and quarters the next week. And then another 20 and this goes on every Saturday for the next two and a half months. Incredible. It was, and <laughs> every time I pull away, Jeff, I was just, I would cry again. I would just literally sob. And because, you know, as a drug addict, you become very selfish. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to cheat you. I will manipulate you to get what I need or want. And I, for the first time, was making this girl's freaking year probably, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, that feeling was like something I had never felt before in my entire life. And, and that's when I, that's, that's when things really started to change where I'm like, you know what, I want to make a difference in this world. I want to do something good with my life. I want to be better. I don't want to use. And, and so that was like one of those moments that uh, changed my life forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible story. And I, and there's so much more to it. Listeners, I'll tell you, did you have your story written out somewhere, like in one of your books? Yeah, it's in my book. I am recovered. Okay, you can get it on Amazon. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a nice short book. I love short books, and you got to <laughs> love it. But it does it goes in all the details of my story. Seriously, guys, go check it out. 
we just don't have time today to get into all the details, but there are some really incredible twists and turns in this journey. And I've not read the book, but I've heard the story. I've heard, you know, like I said last week, but uh, I can promise you it's a page turner. So, and so inspiring. And really, I, I think for me, just the thing that I walked away with, and I, I was tearful. I, I, I mean, it laughing, crying. I mean, it's just an incredible journey to, to follow you through this story. And the thing that really spoke to me the most was how patient and how good and how, I think Neil A. Maxwell said it best, you know, he's, he, that God is relentless in his redemptiveness, right? Mm. Like he was not given up on you. And yeah. uh, here you are, you know, still meeting with your church leader, but using every day still, but still showing up. I mean, you were relentless. God was relentless. Like you, you both, I mean, it, it's just an incredible story of not giving up, not giving in. And then, and then, uh, you know, for our purposes today, you know, talking about mindset and self-talk, uh, something yeah. you, you teach and talk a lot about as I've followed you and listened to some of your stuff, like, you know, in your story, even just right now, as you're telling this abbreviated version of it, so much of it goes into the way you saw yourself, what you were telling yourself. And mm-hmm even just giving this little girl your change, changing your whole view of yourself as a taker to a giver all of a sudden. Uh, I'm just so curious as you're working with, I mean, you work with people with all kinds of addictions and I'm so curious, like what, what is that self-talk that you hear? What is, what's the mindset? What, where are they coming from when they're stuck in an addictive pattern? Yeah, great question. And I want to start off by just saying the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves mm. because our story becomes our reality and it dictates our behavior. And, you know, the most common, which uh, that I have witnessed with my clients and even with myself that I find that are the most limiting irrational beliefs. And number one is I'm just not good enough. Everyone can relate with that on some level. The second one that I hear most often is I'm different. So I can't connect. Like something's different about me. So I can't connect with this person or with this group. And that is a huge lie that we buy into. And that could be almost anything, right, Todd? Like I'm different, like, right. I come from a, I come from a broken family. I'm not your, I'm not your religion. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not athletic. You are, I mean, what, I mean, anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, I mean, that's probably a close, you know, one, a one B, (laughs) you know, I'm not good enough. I, you know, I'm different. I can't connect. And then the next one I hear often is my, my problems are so big that it's impossible to change. Mm. Or again, I'm kind of unique. My problems are unique. So no one understands it. And so, you know, like almost like I'm special to these things and it keeps me stuck and it's going to be impossible. And, and then ultimately you know, there's just something wrong with me. And those are the ones I hear more often than any. And every irrational negative belief all feeds into ultimately, I'm not good enough. And, you know, everyone goes through this. I mean, we're not born thinking this way, we learn it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know what it is about life, but we, you know, we get to a certain point in our life, and we start to compare. And I don't know if it's set up just by the way life is, I mean, if it's through influences at school, entertainment, social media. I mean, all those play a factor in all of this, but we get to a point where, because when we're, when we're young, when we're little, man, we love everyone. We love ourselves. We have faith as big as the universe. And for some reason along the way, we start to lose that and we start comparing, we beat ourselves up and ultimately we start kind of feeding into, I'm not good enough. And so, yeah, 
it's a big it's a big issue that we all deal with. Yeah, it's a huge shift, and I, I think it you know it makes me think of you know Jesus's teaching to be like little children. I mean, that to have that kind of confidence, to have that kind of self assuredness. I mean, it's you're right, like little you know little kids, and I'm talking you know probably third, fourth grade, even at that age, even that old. They walk into a room and expect that, you know, their needs are going to get met, that people are going to see them, that they're, you know, they have a place at the table, their confidence of trying things and like, they don't, they don't shrink. It's incredible. Their, their presence and their, their mindset is, it's, it's open. It's confident. Yeah. 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 And that's our true authentic selves. That's, and that's the goal is to get back to that. And that's kind of what I teach my clients is helping them. You know, one of the questions I always ask is who are you? And 10 out of 10 times, they're like, no one can answer it, you know? And, you know, sometimes you get the old primary answer here in Utah. I'm a child of God. And I'm like, oh, that, okay, that's great. That sounds cute. What does that even mean? And they'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. 10 <laughs> out of so, 10, huh? Oh, I'm without fail. And, and if they do try to answer it, it's usually the wrong answer. <laughs> what would the wrong answer be like? What, what, what kind of stuff are people saying? I'm a, I'm a father. Um, I'm a husband. Wow. Um, I'm a counselor. and those are all things I have and things I do. And those are great, but it's who I am that makes me great at those things. Mm. Who I am makes me a good father. Who I am makes me a good friend. Who I am makes me a good counselor or a good therapist or a good life coach or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So getting to those core issues and we knew it when we were this tall, when we were little kids, we knew who we were. We couldn't articulate it, you know, cause, we, but we lived in who we really were, and that's why we experienced joy all the time. As we get older, we forget who we are. We don't lose it. We forget it. Where does that disconnect a- come from? What, where does that shift happen? And I know it's probably different for everybody, but it, I agree. It does happen to pretty much everyone. I mean, I'm thinking back on my story. I'm like, yeah, I know I lost it at some point and had to reclaim it. Yep. So yep. where does it happen? Well, you know, again... You know, I, I really want in my 32 years in doing this, I've realized it happens for most of us around, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade is the most common time because what we're doing is now, you know, as a kid, we're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to fit in mm-hmm. like, you know, and what we do is if we make a mistake or someone doesn't pick us at recess or whatever, we start to tell ourselves a different story. The story does a little shift and it happens subtly. And now you throw social media into the mix, that really starts to create this new narrative in our heads. You know, like I hear this all the time, kids will look at a picture on Instagram or TikTok and they see their other friends that are together and they'll go, why to me? Why? And it happens so quick and subtly inside, even subconsciously, that they start thinking, oh, I'm, why am I not good enough? Mm. They might not say those exact words, but that's what starts to get created. Mm-hmm. And it starts at a young age. So it almost like starts with maybe that sense, like, again, it starts with sort of, sort of an observation or experience of like noticing that maybe you're not included or feeling left out, or maybe you're feeling like less than or less capable or something, you make a mistake. But you're saying like yeah. what backfills that almost immediately is some sort of explanation for that, some sort of story, some sort of reason. And it's yeah. not that we check with anyone else to see what the, the, the actual reason may be. We just sort right. of invent it. It just flows right in into our minds. Yeah. And it's interesting, even when I'm working with a, like a fifth grader, mm-hmm. you know, I have a fifth grade client right now and he was uh, at a swim meet and he was the only one with a swim shirt on because he felt like he was overweight. Mm-hmm. And so 
I asked him specifically, what's the story you tell yourself about you? And when you get him right down to that, he's like, I look funny. I'm overweight. People are laughing at me. People don't like me. And that becomes this kid's narrative in fifth grade. And no wonder the kid's sad because mm. look, at the, look at the story. But then I'll say, well, can you prove to me that you have no friends? And what's funny is that, you know, he'll be like, well, is that even true? And you push him on. It's like, well, no, I have, I actually have a lot of friends <laughs> and it's just interesting. And I go, no one cares about what you look like, but you, <laughs> and you that know, the no truth? One, oh, look at that kid. He's got a swim shirt on or whatever. It's more of, it's just the story you're telling you that becomes your reality. So I'm helping this kid rechange that narrative. And it's fascinating to watch because the moment the story starts to change, his feelings and about him start to improve. He doesn't, he feels less depressed, less anxious. You know, he starts loving who he is more. And it's, it's remarkable to watch the change, you know, unfold before my eyes. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's not because he went out and, you know, all of a sudden just worked out for six months and built a six pack and, you know, changed yep. all these external things. You're, you know, you're basically saying nothing changed except the way he told himself about himself and all of a sudden, and then that probably, you know, instigates healthier lifestyle choices or just ways of showing up in the world, which are great, but that inside job is really where it starts. Absolutely, man. It's all, it's all of the inside job, man. It's amazing how mm -hmm. powerful it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you that when you say 10 out of 10, I mean, you're, you're working with people that are coming to you specifically to overcome addictions and things like that. But I, I think that that number, I mean, that's probably all of us, right? I mean, every single one of us is vulnerable to that at some, some level or another, right? Yeah. I mean, if you were to go, seriously, go, go ask people, you know, today, go ask 10 people, who are they? And they'll be like, they'll first be like, what? Because we don't usually ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. And, and here's, and here's how I get to that point. And here's how I help someone realize who they really are. And this is one of the most powerful things that I think that I, I get to witness. I'll always ask this question, Jeff. I'll say, how long should it take a baby to learn to walk? And they look at me, first of all, like, why? That's a weird question. Totally. But I'll say like, like, seriously, like, how long do you think it takes? And, you know, I get all kinds of answers, you know, nine months, 12 months, 14 months. But the answer I'm looking for is until. A baby will learn to walk until they figure it out. And then I'll say, as we witness this baby learning to walk, I'll say, when a baby falls down, what do they do? They get back up. They might cry, but they, they get back up. When a baby falls down, they do this over and over again. They fall down, they get back up. And then I'll say, as we witness this baby learning to walk, falling down and getting back up over and over and over again, thousands of times, what characteristics does the baby possess? And I get these answers resilient, determined, brave, tenacious, forgiving, the will to never give up, right? The list goes on forever. If we sat here, we could come up with a, the long list. And I'll say, where did the babies get those characteristics? And they sit there for a minute. And when they really think about it, they'll go, they were born with them. Exactly. And then I'll say, what does that mean about you? And they'll say, I was born with them too. And I'll go, what's the proof? And they ultimately will get to because I'm walking. Yeah. Because I can't teach my baby to be determined. It already is. I can't teach my baby to have the will to never give up. It already has that in its DNA. But what happened? So that's who we are. It's a factory we're, setting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Jeff, ask me who I am. I was actually just going to do that, Todd. Todd, yeah. who are you? 
I'm a creator. I'm honest. I'm integrist. I am hardworking. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. I'm understanding. I'm forgiving. I have the will to never give up. I am love. I am light. I am energy. See, that's who I am. And I know that to my core. But why? Because that's, those are the characteristics I was born with. It's in my DNA. I'm created after the image of God because those same characteristics describe God or your higher power exactly. So that's who I am. But as we go through life, guess what? I start trying to be someone I'm not. I try to fit in with this group or this group. And, you know, these guys are doing drugs. I'm going to, I'm going to try to fit in. So I'm going to go against who I really am. And I'm going to start doing drugs. That's not who I am. I wasn't born to drink or do drugs, but I want to fit in. So now I'm being someone I'm not. To me, that's the best definition of depression. I'm trying to be someone I'm not. And I'm always left empty. And I feel sad and depressed. Why? Because I went against who I am. Mm. And no one can take that from you. No one can take You don't lose it. You forget it. Yeah. So when I stay with a client and I, they start to cry, I'm not kidding. They will start crying. And I'll say, you've never lost those characteristics. You just forgot you had them. So my goal as a, as a mindset coach is to help them understand that and remember it again. That's it. All I'm doing is helping them remember what they already know. They already know it. It's yeah. fascinating. I've watched four babies learn to walk, right? I got four kids. Yeah. So when you talk about that process and what, what's so interesting, there's, there's another layer to this that I'm sure you've talked about with your, your clients is on the outside watching it. There's not one part of me that's disappointed every time it falls. One of my kids fall, right? It's just like, if anything, it's like, oh, you're that much closer. It's right. just like, yeah. I am just right there on the edge of my seat, watching them get it, learn a few more fine motor skills, learn a few more movements. They, they finally get it. And then of course, when they get it, we're losing our minds, we're cheering, but they don't have it yet, right? They're going to yeah. fall another thousand times trying to stay up and get it to be consistent. I mean, it's such a process, but we're, we're just so excited. And, and so outsiders love, you know, but, but again, I think for people that are overcoming addictions, people that are overcoming mental health issues or family challenges or marriage issues or whatever, we don't have that big of a cheering section. Most, most people don't stay in right. the game and cheer on other people at the level we do a toddler we th- or a baby, we, we think somehow they should know better. We think we should know better. Right. That we sh- I mean, we're just so hard on ourselves and each other with growth, man. Yeah. It's like, man, and it's going back to not being childish, but let's be childlike again. Yeah. We had it figured out when we were little. Yeah. We had it. And then as we got to, we become adults and we actually forget what we should already know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. And here's, I want to share this because I think this will be important for your listeners. There's an old legend by, uh, about King Louis XVI. He had a son who was a prince. And the enemies of the king knew that when the king dies, the prince will take over as king. They didn't want that to happen. So they went and killed the king. And then they took the prince and threw him into prison. And instead of killing him, they thought, let's ruin his reputation. Let's just ruin this guy. Let's give him alcohol to drink, women to have sex with, fatty foods, anything they could think of to ruin this guy, right? Well, the prince refused all of it. He refused the alcohol. He refused the women. He refused the bad foods. And the captors were getting so frustrated with this guy. They're like, why do you keep refusing this? And he looks him in the eye and he says, because I was born to be a king. Hmm. See, he knew who he was. And this stuff, all this external stuff that was negative, didn't fit with who he was. 
And that's why knowing who you are is critical in this. It's to me, with what I do at least, it's the number one question that people need to leave my program with is who are you? And once they can get back to that foundation, I'm telling you, it's immovable. No one can take it from you, like you said. Powerful. I think about that story you told in your presentation last week about the uh, the experience of speaking at the prison. And oh, I, yeah. I want to make sure we fit that in because that brought me to tears. And I, I just, I sat there kind of dumbfounded. I could not believe the way that that turned. So can you, can you share that story? Because this really ties into, sure, really ties into this whole theme of what we say to ourselves, how we see ourselves. I mean, it's just really brings it home. Sure. I know. Thank you. So yeah, I had the opportunity. Uh, it's been two years now to speak at the Utah State Prison. I got invited by Toastmasters and it was, I've never spoken there before. So I was excited, but you know, a little nervous going into this. Um, I've never, I just thought, how am I going to be received? Right. You know? And so, you know, I go to the prison, it's at Promontory and it's in this center block gymnasium they have out there. It's not very big. And, you know, I have to go through the gates with the barbed wire and the, in the metal mm-hmm. doors. So it's, it's kind of an intimidating, you know, walking through there, you know, and I have to go through a metal detector. They did a background check on me. And when I get there, there was three guards that uh, kind of pulled me aside. We're going to give me the lay of the land. And, you know, they're like, <laughs> they're like, Hey, if something goes down inside there, make sure you're by one of us. And I was just like, what? <laughs> was there a rumor that there's a, something going down? Right. And he's like, no, 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 we just have to say this. <laughs> so I was like, Whoa. Well, so they tell me there's 120 inmates in there. So they're already, already in the gym. I have to walk in from the back. And I have to walk all the way to the front of this gymnasium. And as I'm walking in, they all turn and they're all looking at me and I'm sitting there going, whoa, this is surreal. (laughs) I'm like, what are these guys? Right. So I sit down and before they want me to take an hour and a half time with them. But before I go, they have three inmates. They're going to take five minutes and share their story. So these three inmates get up before me, they share their story. And I kid you not, Jeff, you could hear a pin drop in that place. These guys, I couldn't believe it. No one's talking to their neighbor. No one's screwing around. They're sitting up, listening, paying attention. It was unreal. I was like, and these stories these guys were sharing just set the tone. And when they, I knew like once they set the tone, I'm like, man, I I got this. I mean, I stood up there and I just shared my story and I got into it. And I knew I had these guys in my hand, in the palm of my hand. I just, I felt connected to these guys. Oh yeah connections, man. And it was like, wow. And as I'm sitting there sharing my story, as I'm talking to him, I had this impression come over me to ask him this question. And I thought, wow, this will be, this will be interesting. I've never done this before. (laughs) (laughs) And so the question I asked him, I said, by the show of hands, how many of you are criminals? Raise Mm. your hand. Every hand goes up. Oh yeah. And they're looking at me like, well, dude, we're in prison. (laughs) (laughs) And so But as their hands are raised, I said, why are you guys lying to yourselves? You guys are lying. And the hands just start to slowly go down. And again, they're looking at me like dump out. I'm like, you guys are lying. And they're still looking at me. And I said, how many of you by the show of hands committed a crime today? Raise your hand. Luckily, no hands went up. (laughs) Every hand goes up. And I said, how many of you committed a crime yesterday? Raise your hand. No hands go up, right? And I said, see, you guys have been lying to yourselves. You label yourselves as these criminals. And I said, then I asked him these questions. How many of you, 
by the show of hands have been honest today? Raise your hand. Hand goes up. Every hand goes up. There might have been one or two in the back that didn't go up, but every hand goes up. And then I ask, how many of you have done the right thing today when no one was looking? Mm. That's a big question to ask in prison. Yep. And every hand goes up. Yep. Doing the right thing. And I thought, how many of you have respected the rules today? Yeah. Done all the rules. Every hand goes up. And then how many of you have been respectful and kind to your cellmate? Every hand goes up. I kid you not. And I said, see, you guys have been lying to yourselves. You label yourselves criminal, but what you just told me is you're honest, you have integrity, you're respectful, and you're caring. And I kid you not, had I not been there, I wouldn't have believed it myself. I got a three-minute standing ovation. These guys stood up, all 120 of them, and are just literally screaming. And it's deafening because it's in the center blocks uh, gymnasium. And I I mean, I'm crying. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's going on. And I've got one guy, it's waving me down. He's like, I'm like, what? He goes, can I come give you a hug? (laughs) He comes up and gives me this big hug. And and then when they sat down, I stated this principle. I said, what follows I am follows you. And you get to choose that. So quit calling yourself criminals. You guys are honest. You have integrity. You're respectful. You're caring. And then I could say so much more about you guys. And I said, you get to change that if you want. But that's still the truth. Anyway, all of them gave me a hug afterwards. It, you know, they have a therapist out there that said, I am never going to let these guys call themselves criminals ever again. That was two years ago. And this is at the Utah State Prison. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. It was probably one of the most profound experiences I've ever had speaking before. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you have a group of people who, you know, really nobody could argue with that they're criminals, right? I mean, it, it, it's just like, right. right. I mean, they're wearing the jumpsuits. They're in the prison. Like they've got, you know, right. they've, they've been found guilty of, <laughs> and at the yeah. same time, there's room for them to change. There's room for them to reconnect to who they really are. They have to, if they're going to get out of there. Yeah. I love it. And we're, you know, like I I agree that we have just as unflattering descriptions of ourselves, whether it's criminal or the list can, can be pretty long there. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I just love that story. And I've thought of it often since you shared it and uh, in reference to my own self-talk and, and uh, even just how I see other people. And I'd love just, just wrapping up here, Todd, I'd love to, to hear any just some ideas on where can we start? You know, if, if I'm listening to this, if I'm a listener and I'm hearing this and I'm like, yeah, no, I relate. Like I, I beat myself up pretty hard or I, I really struggle with this or, you know, or, or, you know, I, I have a hard time shifting out of this or I don't, I don't know how I've always thought, thought of myself this way, which we know is not true, but at least consciously they, they think they have, where do we start? Where does someone start with this? Yeah. That's a great question. I get that often. And it comes down to, do you really want to change this? And if you do, we have to consciously pay attention to the way we talk to ourselves and then challenge it. And that is not easy and it's not comfortable because we're not used to doing that. We're used to letting that narrative just play and it's automatic. And so for us to consciously go, oh yeah, that was a negative thought. So for instance, you know, when I was in, when I was in the height of my addiction, I became really good at lying. I was a liar. I really was. Oh yeah. And after I got clean, after I got clean, I was still at times in the habit of lying. So, and here's my point is like, I ask this question all the time and people are, have you ever been in a group of people where they're talking about a movie and you're like, yeah, I've, I've seen that movie, but you haven't seen the movie. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I've done that where I'm, yeah, I've yeah. seen the movie. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> and what I do, what I had to do is I had to start catching myself and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I'd catch myself and go, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I don't know why I just said I've seen the movie. I've never seen that movie. Yeah. I apologize for saying that. Yeah. I had to look. I had, the point I'm making is I had to be conscious of the times I would lie and I'd have to catch it and change it in the moment, even if it was embarrassing. Yeah. And I had some embarrassing moments. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's but it's great. No, yeah. It's no different with our narrative. I have to pay attention. Oh, I just told myself I was stupid. That is not true. I taught him brilliant. So I call it, I call it the three R's recognize, refuse, replace. Mm. I need to start recognizing, and this is the hardest part is recognizing the negative thoughts that I'm telling myself. I need to recognize that I, that it's actually taking place. Then I need to refuse it. And I call it the bully. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. It's good to label negative thoughts like it, something other than me. Cause what our brain does is a beautiful thing. It does a separation between these negative thoughts. Right. And then once I recognize it, refuse it, then I replace it and add my name. So if, if the thought comes in, I'm stupid, I recognize it, then I refuse it. Nope, that's not me. That's it. And then I'll say, I, Todd, am brilliant. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, it, it sounds so simple. One, it's hard because you're not used to doing it, but I'll tell you, do not let the simplicity trip you up. This is one of the most powerful ways to start changing and creating a new narrative. Repetition deepens the impression. So the more we can repeat the positive, we start creating a new neural pathway, a new belief system. And that's really where you start. You have to be consciously aware of these negative things and then replace them, refuse them, and then replace them. I love that. And that, yeah, I agree. It's simple, but it's, it's a commitment. And I think about the, the recognizing the first one there. I know for me, a lot of the times it may be an hour later, even a day later, or it takes me a minute to sort of recognize how I've been talking to myself or how I've been seeing myself. And and so I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, for most people, it doesn't happen in the moment, right? Like it's, I mean, that's most people probably start with a delayed awareness. Yeah. I don't know if it's like that for you or not, but yeah. Oh, for, no, it's 100%. And what's interesting, you'll know you're improving when you catch it quicker. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. And pretty soon you'll get to a point where like the thought might come in, but you'll like literally laugh at it like, that's silly. Why would I have that? That's not me. But it doesn't fit anymore with who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when the prince refused the alcohol and the women and the drugs and the, and the bad foods is like, this doesn't fit with me. And it's no different with the negative narrative. When you get to that point where... <laughs> It's kind of funny I had that negative thought because it doesn't fit with me anymore. It's not who I am. Right. It doesn't have a place in the script or the narrative. It doesn't even fit. It's, exactly. like, it's like you're describing it some other character that's not even in the story anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's a great exercise. I mean, I, and I get that to get to the bigger question that you talked about earlier of who are you mm-hmm. is a process of weeding out and confronting, like you said, and challenging and redirecting these thoughts. But man, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna actually going to, I'm going to start to to map this out and really get some better words for myself. Even I, I, I love that sure. challenge to, to dig in and have a really solid answer for who are you? Cause man, when you, yeah. when you told me who you were, Todd, like, I like felt like I was getting pushed back in my seat here. Like I was just getting hit with a ton of truth and power. It was amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up. We have to be able to answer that question with conviction. That's right. Because when I'm convicted to those things, to the truth, 
then anything negative coming along, if, if someone, like if I, if someone asked me right now, Hey, you want to, you want to have a drink with me? I would be like, no. And if they were to ask me why I can go, cause I know who I am. Yeah. Doesn't fit with who I am. I'm not judging you. It's just, this does not fit with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it is a source of power because again, I mean, I, you know, I believe that's how God created us. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't, he didn't make us this weak, feeble person. He made us strong and powerful, and we have to tap into that. And this isn't just for people that deal with addictions. These are people that are, this is for, I mean, a lot of my audience are people that have been betrayed by other people, been wounded in relationships, had serious uh, oh, man. injuries, right? This, is, this stuff is for everyone. Yeah. When someone's been betrayed in a relationship, I guarantee you, they create a narrative about themselves. I'm not good enough. I wasn't enough. Why? Why did this person do this to me? I, you know, and I start, they start creating this negative narrative about themselves when in reality, it has nothing to do with them because this person treated them that way. It's no, your story only changed because you started to change it. You're still the same amazing person. So that yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it works in every area, it really does. It's, it's pretty remarkable how powerful it can be for anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, we're all vulnerable. We're all susceptible to having our stories change. Like you said, it's just it's just the the journey we all have to recognize that we're all on the same journey here. We're we're all constantly creating meaning and evaluating and, com- and we're just we're just doing that all the time as humans and and it gets off the tracks pretty quickly at a young age before any of us probably even are aware that it's happening and then that becomes the narrative. And so the adult responsibility is to confront that and and embrace the truth of who we are. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I know we need to wrap up here. I keep you here all day, but man, this is so good. Any other thoughts or suggestions or ideas just closing up here, Todd? Yeah. I would like to just tell anyone listening to this who's struggling, who might be in a dark place or they have, they're just struggling. I, I, I really believe this, that adversity is the wake up call to our greatness. Hmm. It's waking us up to the greatness that's within us. And so if you are struggling, I really do believe that you're you're just one narrative away to recognizing how powerful and great you really are. So don't give up. If you are struggling, reach out to someone, reach out to Jeff or myself or anyone that you may know. We're here to help you. I hope that some of these things that we've talked about today have been helpful for you and anyone that you may know that's struggling that may need to hear this message. But you, you know, Adversity is our wake-up call to our greatness. Mm, I love that. Whether it's self-imposed or someone else throws it on us, either way, absolutely. So, Todd, where can people find you? What uh, you know? Tell me what stuff you've created. What what resources do you have for my audience? Oh, thank you. So, people can check out my website. It's toddinspires.com. and you can also go to and that has everything on there that I'm doing. But you okay. can also go to beliefcast.com. It's my I call my podcast a belief cast nice. and beliefcast.com. And you can see all the episodes that I've had on there and what I've done there. And you can, you know, you can reach out to me. I'll even get out my phone number. It's 801-870-4412. You can shoot me a text. I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. And but yeah, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from any of you. Boy, you're putting your money, your mouth where your money is. Money where your mouth is. Is that what that is? Yeah. Where yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had it backwards there. Well, I've never had a guest give their phone number out. That's pretty amazing. And uh, you, you hey, mean let's business. Do this. 
Well, just like what you're, you, you call us from, you know, crisis to connection. Let's connect, man. Let's do this. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So there you go, guys. That's Todd Silvestri. He got his phone number, he got his website. No excuses. If you need support, resources, help, he's got so much to offer here. So Todd, thank you so much for showing up. But most importantly, thank you so much for the work you've done and, and bringing all this, uh, this truth and power to us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Once again, if you want to learn more about Todd and the great work that he's doing, you can find him on his website, toddinspires.com. And you can also text him directly. He gave everyone his phone number. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like I said, never had anybody do that before. And it's so awesome. And uh, just love how accessible and how willing he is to offer support and help. He is just an incredible person. And I'm just so grateful for him knowing who he is and inviting all of us to know who we are as well. I'm definitely going to do my homework as well. I love what he's sharing. I want to be able to answer that question so clearly. And I hope you do too. So go check out his resources and hopefully you will be able to find the support and help that you need. And as always, if you want additional resources or want to do more work with me directly, you can find my stuff on my website from crisistoconnection.com. I've got online courses on trust building, relationships, past episodes of this podcast, of course, my weekly relationship column, and lots of other good stuff. And uh, you can follow me on social media, where I'm pretty active over there on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, guys, for being here. It's just so great to be with you every single week. I love my community. I love connecting with all of you. I love hearing your feedback. I know that these interviews and this information, it's changing lives. I hear about it all the time. Okay, guys, thanks for being here. I'll check in with you guys next week. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.